All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. All right. Let's turn this down. <clears throat> calm down. It's all calm down. <clears throat> so we'll make this message not as angry. <clears throat> I know my message. I'm a little choked up today. I have allergies. Can be harsh at times. It's it's emotion on. It's with your best interest at heart. I want you to do well in life. I want people to get mad about their situation. The, the, the problem is, is that you're broke. All of you listening to me don't have enough money. Me included. I'm broke. <clears throat> and that realization for me has been it's fuel. Fire gets me fired up, it gets me on task, it gets me focused. Now, maybe some people it has the opposite effect. <clears throat> and my style of maybe yelling at you <clears throat> may not be your style, but someone needs to yell at you, someone needs to light a fire under you, someone needs to tell you that the course you're on is going right into a brick wall. And most of the people listening to me right now, when you're old, will be flat-ass broke because of decisions you made today. <clears throat> I have a chapter in my book, You Don't Have to Die Broke, entitled, Help, I'm 40 and I'm Broke. <clears throat> and it says, a follower recently wrote to me and says, I've learned a lot from your teachings, though he feels a lot of the advice that I give is not suitable to him because he's 47 years old. He has a net worth of only 25000 He's not interested in long-term saving strategies or investing strategies. And his quote is, what good will compound savings do for me? He says, I don't want to have a million dollars when I'm 70. I want to have it now. Well, first off, I want to have a million dollars when I'm 70. I want to have $10 million when I'm 70. The reason this guy doesn't have, this guy is 47 and he has $25,000 is because he's been saying that same dumb statement for the last 27 years, he would be sitting on millions of dollars if he just didn't say that when he was 20, and if he didn't say it when he was 25, and when he was 30, and when he was 35, and when he was 40, because he was saying the same thing when he was 40. He doesn't want to wait. He says that many of the wealth building strategies I recommend are only useful for the rich. Well, that's kind of what the opening part of my book says. Then I'm going to show you the strategies that what many of the richest families in America are doing to build wealth. <clears throat> What's the average person to do? He says, I can't open six businesses like you've done. I only make $20 an hour with little chance for overtime. He has debts. He says, I need a car, so I have a car payment. He says, I have very limited investments. I don't own cash generating real estate like you do. I can't start a website or a home-based business. I own, I own virtually no stocks. What should I do? Well, all of that, that he, that rambling list of nonsense that he just rattled off are all life choices. This man works a job he chose. He chose to not save up for a car and yet take on debt, which then would cause him to have car payments, which means he can't save up for the future. So once you see the problem with the car payment thing is what for the average guy. Now, if you make a lot of money, car payment doesn't matter. 
guy hit me up recently and goes, well, I'm a doctor. I make 250000 What do I care about a car lease? I get it. I get it. You can be a smart doctor and make stupid decisions every day. I see it all the time. You want to have a lease? Fine. And so if you make enough money and you want to be all loosey-goosey with your money and you don't want to manage it as if you're a king, you don't want to properly manage it and you want to waste it all because you make enough, that's cool. That's your prerogative. It's unfortunate because, you know, you guys making 250, 300,000, 20 years in, should be sitting on tens of millions. And most aren't. Most of the people that I meet that make the 150 to 200,000, most of, a lot of them are younger and a lot of them have huge student loan debts and they keep them like a family pet. They don't want to confront the debt. I talked about that on the last podcast, I think, about they don't want to confront the debt that 180 seems insurmountable. Oh, it's such a big number. It just means two or three years of buckling down and doing some work. But most people, you know, I, I promise to stop using the P word. Most men are the P word. Let's be real about it. They don't want to sacrifice. We live in a world of comfort, instant. We want to click a button and we're instantly gratified. It doesn't work in money. When I started posting online and writing books and putting out my ideas, I would get a number of letters like this from this follower and DMs and emails. This told me a couple things as I thought, sat and thought on it. Because being a person, I am sympathetic to people's problems. And I'm not an asshole. I, I understand. And I have family members who push back on me with these same problems and these same things. You know, I have people in my family that I love that I'm close to that are single moms. And they say, Gerald, we can't follow your advice. And I don't know. How, I, I would struggle on how to answer this. But one thing I know. I realized that I was hitting a nerve by telling the truth. And there are lots and lots of followers and subscribers and readers of my books and people who listen to podcasts and YouTube and all that good stuff. Lots of them have little in the way of financial resources. Most of my followers, the far majority of my followers, don't own a portfolio of 40 stocks. They don't own you know, income-producing real estate. They don't own businesses. They don't have good jobs. Most of them are truly living paycheck to paycheck. They're carrying a lot of debt, and they're trying to figure out or coming to the realization is, hey, this sucks because it's kind of cool when you have nothing and you get your first job, and all of a sudden now you got a house or an apartment. You get a car, and you got a wife and a baby, and you're putting – and life feels good. And then you begin to settle into that shit. Now you're five years in. The wife ain't as pretty, and the kids not as the kids loud and want shit all the time. The car's breaking down. And you got to fix stuff at the house, and you realize this is not as exciting as I thought it would be. <clears throat> Welcome to adulthood. And then all of a sudden, inflation begins to creep in. See the four things that steal wealth. When you're twenty, twenty-five, you're not thinking about this. You don't understand inflation. You haven't lived long enough to see inflation, but inflation is a motherfucker. Excuse my French. Ask anyone who's 60 and 70, and every time they pay, and I watch them. I watch old people. I watched a guy at the doctor about have a breakdown. He couldn't believe the price. 
because he remembers when he was 20, what he was paying and what he's paying now 50 years later. And it's shocking. But it's a silent thief. It just sneaks in the back door and you don't see it. Milk goes from $1.20 to $1.25, but it does it for every single transaction in your life. And now you add it up and then you begin to multiply it by years and it just eats you. This is the great thing that stocks do. Because stocks are businesses and businesses pass along that to the consumer. And they pass it along to you, the investor, by ever increasing the dividend. And so this and stock prices rise with inflation, dividends rise with inflation, and so stocks offset inflation. Real estate's the same way. I raise my rents when they raise my taxes and insurance, and the value of the home goes up. And so you have to fight inflation, and the way you fight inflation is by owning assets that inflate with it, okay, and produce cash flow. Taxes. Most people don't realize about taxes until you get married, get a house, you start kind of getting into your life, you're getting into your 30s and you realize, wow, these taxes are terrible and they kill you. If you don't structure your life in such a way to avoid many of the taxes, by the time you get into your 40s, you're fucked. Think about it. See, my money, my wealth, my stocks, my dividends that are offsetting inflation and ever increasing my cash flow, I collect almost $3,000 every single month in dividends. Boom, 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 boom. This money hits my account. Now, I'm still investing into that account. So begin to add it up. The multiplication here, thousands and thousands of dollars every month, plus I'm putting in continuously expanding and growing, right? That's called compound interest. It takes time to get there. <clears throat> that money's tax sheltered. So I've created an income stream of about, let's just keep the math simple and say 30000 a year that continuously appreciates at about four or five percent that's about the average of dividend increases so this thirty thousand dollars that's coming to me is tax-free it's sheltered inside of sep iras and iras it's tax shelter taxes are the number two thing we got inflation and we have taxes that eat up your money and so if you don't have any tax sheltering here's what most people think of when they think tax shelter my home mortgage my neighbor literally said to me yesterday I have to get more deductions. And I said, what do you mean? He says, I need to get more deductions. And I said, instead of getting more deductions, why don't you make more money? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Are we operating in scarcity or prosperity? See, he's in the scarcity mode. He just retired and he's living on a fixed income. Guess what he wants to do now? He's looking at the stock market. Now he's ignored the stock market for 20 something years, 30 years. For 30 years, a possible compounding where he could be worth millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. He ignored it. And now he's the guy here who wrote me the letter in my chapter entitled, Help, I'm 40 and I'm Broke. Guys, I get this every day. If you're 25 years old, open your fucking ears. I get this every single day. This is your dad. Broke. Having a pension isn't money. It's valuable. And I'll take it, but that's not your money. It's not your wealth. They could take that from you. They could decide not to pay you. Then what? So my friend falls into this category, as a lot of people do. So inflation, taxes, um, corporate marketing is one. He's My neighbors fall into that. He's looking to... Uh, He's reading some corporate marketing from some 
money management groups of how to do he's reading bank shit says you want to take advantage of the tax deductions so he has a paid for home he's talking about borrowing against his home taking that money investing the money so he can get a tax deduction this is stupid on fucking steroids and i finally just said listen i can't have this conversation with you this is too stupid i gave you my book you didn't bother reading my book now you're talking complete nonsense and i left the conversation Everything that he said to me was some unwise, ridiculously dumb things, but I hear it all the time from common people. These are the people that are going to borrow from their 401k. You would only do that because you're stupid. You don't think you're stupid. You're stupid. See, wise people would never do that. Financially literate people would never do that. Financially literate people would never say, I think I'm going to borrow against my house so I can get a tax deduction. I would rather save a quarter so that I can spend a dollar. Like it makes no sense. The savings isn't there. And so part of what I'm trying to teach people is an awakening. Like, so you begin to do your finances different. This shit doesn't become spur of the moment. What you think about comes about, what you focus on grows, meaning you take these thoughts, you hold them in formless substance, and you make wise decisions. You don't accidentally buy a car. Like it's long thought out. I've been discussing buying a car. If you follow me on Instagram, I've been talking about it on my story. I will talk about this and talk about this and talk about this and talk about this for about a year before I buy it. Why? Because it's a big transaction. I'm not going to spur of the moment, accidentally walk in and sign for a truck, right? This is going to be well thought out. So, and I've already begun the savings process. So I'm halfway there and I say, what, what do you, and you might say, what do you mean? Meaning, I'm not investing as much as I could be because I need a new truck and I'm going to write a check. I'm going to walk in and walk out with a brand new truck with a check. Guess the next time I'm going to buy another truck in 20 years or 10 years or whatever. See what I'm saying? And so as the time closes in, I'm a smart guy. I need to start setting aside resources for this truck. And so I'll take about a year or two years and I'll put a bunch of money together and I'll go in and just buy my truck. That's the way you should do that. You don't finance it. Why? Because if I finance it, now I don't have the money every month to put into the stock market when the stock market goes on sale. Now, what other people will tell you is we don't want to tie all that money up. Those people are going to lead you down a rabbit hole that you will never get out of and you'll never build wealth. So keep your student loan, keep your car payment, keep all your fucking payments. You're never going to have money to invest aggressively when the time is right. You're never. Because your life is going to be consumed with payments. <clears throat> so I knew I, I'd struck a nerve. Um, if you have some of these same thoughts and feelings as my follower, um, listen carefully. If you're middle-aged and your net worth is meager, or if you're young and you know people whose net worth is meager, Chances are your income is barely sufficient to meet your expenses. I hate to tell you this, but those expenses are only going up. Inflation. Contrary to what the government tells us, inflation is much higher than 2% a year. I think it's much, much higher. The Great Recession is always looming. Economists are, economists are always predicting things will get worse. And what can you do? What should you do? Should you give up? Should you give up your dream of retiring comfortably one day? Should you accept 
a future of increasing meager existence? Should you grow bitter and curse the powers that be for putting you in this situation? Or should you, pillar number 10 of my 10 pillars of success, take full responsibility for your situation and begin to make necessary changes? The last question, of course, is heretical. And of course, but sometimes I wonder if people really do understand their options. Most people are asleep at the wheel. They live in reaction mode. There are things that happen in life that we can't control, but we can control the way we respond to them. We begin to plan for the things we know will occur at some point in the future. This is why in my three-bucket strategy in chapter one of my book, You Don't Have to Die Broke, I push this idea of savings. You need money that just sits there. It doesn't earn anything. This money is what's called an insurance policy, or in the book, I refer to it as a do-over account. It needs to be a chunk of money. It could take you time. It took me a decade to get mine. It's enough money that if your home burned down, if you lost your job, if something catastrophic happened, you could take that money and go set up shop, get a place to live, get clothes, call, commute, you know, everything you need, and you have time. I'm not talking about three-month emergency fund. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking like a two-year emergency fund. It takes time to develop that. You have to be committed to that process because some people can't get it through their mind because they operate in such limited scarcity that the idea of that money not earning a return, they can't get their mind around it. Now, you may never follow this strategy, but I can tell you after having followed it and built up one, it's two years, and I don't need to add to it anymore. It's a beautiful thing to just have that kind of money just sitting there. Oh, and I'm, I'm investing aggressively. Aggressively. And I'm buying real estate and I start businesses and all these things that I do and I'm debt free, but I have that money sitting there. <laughs> now, maybe it doesn't have to be as extreme as mine. But see, I've lived enough life to know there's life has problems. A friend of our family's house just burned down. And guess who didn't have the inside contents of their house insured? It's not going to be as simple as insurance covers everything. It doesn't work like that. I've lost houses to rental houses to tornadoes. You're never made whole when you add up all of the costs and the time and the stress and the aggravation and all the things that were lost and the memories and the relations. Like it's never you're never made whole. You're going to have tragedy in your life. People are going to get sick. You're going to get fired. There's going to be recessions. I promise you, life will fuck you. It happens to all of us. And that fun is for that, the do-over account. <clears throat> Most people are asleep at the will. They live in reaction mode. There are things that are going to happen to you in life and we can't control, but we can control the way we respond to them. We can begin to plan for things we know will occur at some point in the future. I believe, no, I'm certain that anyone who has modest intelligence and positive attitude can become financially independent in seven years or less if he or she is willing to work enormously hard. See, the foundation of wealth is built upon hard work, but also smart work. You know, you've seen the phrase that hard work alone, then all construction workers would be rich. True. But if intelligence was alone, then all economists would be millionaires and they're not. What you need to become is a hardworking construction economist. Right? What I'm trying to tell you, what I'm teaching, nobody, like most people are not doing it. 
I'm saying you need to step outside of what other people are doing and begin doing something different. Now, one caveat to this. If you make enough money, if you've been so fortunate to have a job, you went to college, you've got the degrees, and you're doing well, then you don't need to do the kind of shit that I talk about, right? You have to understand the context and where I'm coming from. I'm a blue-collar guy. I didn't go to college, right? <clears throat> I work with my hands. I learn to work. I am literally the embodiment of the construction worker who became an economist, meaning I still work construction, and I know more about stocks than probably most economists. I'm obsessed with the two. And so I live in two worlds, the world of the mind and the world of working hard physically. And I've been able to merge the two to make myself a multimillionaire, just went over $3 million. I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm only turned 50. And the only reason I got to three, and guess what? If you're 20, you might look at that and go, wow, you're way behind. Oh, but in the middle, bro, I lived. I paid bills. I had children. <laughs> like life is fucking expensive. <clears throat> oh, and taxes. You know what I'm saying? So when you make 300, guess what? You don't get to keep 300. You got taxes and insurance and vacations and wives want things and kids want things and people get sick and things happen. And so if you can get in, you know, and I didn't even get started till I was 29. I didn't buy my first rental property till I was 32, you know? So imagine I'm just, I'm just now starting to compound where the numbers are becoming large and beautiful. And I realize, wow, if I can just push this for another, you know, another year and another year and another year, the numbers become enormous as it grows without me tapping it. See, most people are tapping out at three. They're in their late 60s. They got a couple mil. They're hoping they got a mil. I'm at three mil and I'm 50 and I got a lot of life in me. Bro, I'm working harder than any 20-year-old. Any, any of you listening to me, you ain't working harder than me. I promise you. I wake up every day excited to push my intent into the universe, to hunt down my stocks, to buy them, to look for more rental properties, to put my money at work. I'm so excited now that it's going to be light years. The next 10 years are going to be light years over the previous 20. Because I can do the blue-collar construction thing, and I'm smarter than any economist. And now that dividends and the compounding effect of having done that for and worked that out over the last 20 years, right? So don't think because you're from one world, you can't do the other world. In other words, if you were a doctor, you could paint a wall. You know, there's no step back there. You don't have to pay a painter. You could take a Saturday and just work on your stuff. Sometimes I get the impression that people think life is what you do after work. No, life is what you do. It's not what you do after something. I get this impression a lot. People say, well, what do you do for fun and relaxation? And I think, make money? Like, what the fuck do you do? I once heard a mountain man. They said, what do you do for a living? He said, I live. Meaning I'm just doing me. So when you see me push on a Saturday, I'm doing that because I want to. See, unlike other people, I don't want to relax. I want to push. I want to expand. You know, when you're a king, I want to attack the neighboring country. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I want to leave my house and attack them. Not everyone sees it like that. And so you need to ask yourself when you think that your life is what you do after work. You're probably doing the wrong thing for work. You want to do something for work that when, when you're not doing it, you're thinking about it.
That's when you're living, in my opinion. So, and but let's, even if you hate working, if you're broke, you need to work every day, period, every day. If you make enough money where you don't need to do that, then completely ignore that advice. Just get smart with your money, cut your expenses, increase your investing, and you don't have to push and work like I do. <clears throat> Make sense? Your situation dictates. Don't use your children as excuses. A lot of people use their children as excuses. You're a grown man. Get your ass to work. You don't need to be sitting there with a baby in your hands. I believe, no, I'm certain that anyone with a modest intelligence and a positive attitude can become financially independent in 7 to 10 years if he or she is willing to put in enormous work. But I also understand that when you're halfway through life and barely making ends meet, it may seem like the only chance to become financially successful is to win the lottery. And so, when you hear some rich guy from Texas telling you you can't quickly turn a few hundred bucks into millions by investing in stocks, real estate with no money down, or even a home-based business, it may seem frustrating. And when he talks about what he and his friends, rich friends are doing, buying rental properties and starting businesses, you might feel that you can't take his advice. I know the feeling. If you feel that way, you're dead wrong. You need to get your head out of your ass. You don't have to give up on big dreams or becoming wealthy. You also have the ability to change your financial future. You also have the ability to apply for different jobs. You also have the ability to move. You also have the ability to leave your spouse and get a new one. But it will take time and you have to be patient. You will have to require, it will require that you change some of your thoughts and feelings you have about wealth and relationship with money to make things change. You'll need to do four things. One of the things you're going to need to do is actually learn some shit. And so you say, well, I'm not very good at investing. We'll get real good real fast. That would be my suggestion. Well, I don't know a lot about money. We'll learn. Like anything that you say you don't do it, like immediately begin. All I got to do is look beside your bed. If I came to your house and I look beside your bed, it's going to tell me everything I need to know. And if I get beside your bed, you don't have any money on making, you don't have books on money or any of these kind of things. Then I know, I already know, man, you gave up. <clears throat> Four things you need to do and we'll wrap up. First, accept the fact that you alone are solely and completely responsible for your current financial situation. Before you react defensively, read that sentence again and don't say that you are the cause of your sin. I didn't say you are the cause. I said you're responsible for it. Big difference. You say, yeah, well, it's my wife. We got divorced. You married her. <clears throat> By taking responsibility, radical responsibility for your current condition, you also assume responsibility for your future. Nobody can change your fortune but you and nobody else will. The sooner you accept that reality, the sooner you will shed the anger, the blame, and begin to feel financially powerful. Without it, you cannot move forward, not even one inch. Personal power starts with personal responsibility. Number two, set ex realistic expectations. I can't tell you how many times I've had financially broke people scoff at the idea of making 8 to 10, 8 to 12% returns that I look for in my investment portfolios. They tell me returns like that are ho-hum and not worth the effort. They want to double and triple their money right away because that's the only way they can see themselves getting wealthy. This all or nothing attitude originates out of a scarcity mindset. These are financial losers. I remember once I, I attended a presentation made up of a group of investors about an investment idea that was likely returning 30% a year. One of the guys interrupted the speaker stating that the speaker was wasting his time. Unless he can give him a 10 to 1 return, I'm not interested. He said, 
and a few people applauded him. Apparently, the room was full of get-rich-quickers and financial idiots. When I hear remarks like that, I think, poor bastard. His mentality is that of a poor man looking for a lottery ticket type solution. If he, isn't, if he wasn't financially poor when he made that remark, it's just a matter of time. Know this, 10 to 12% is a high rate of return. If you get a 10% return, you'll double your money every seven and a half years. If you get a 12% return, you'll double it in six years. You can get very rich doubling your money every six to seven years. Or think of it this way, Warren Buffett, the most successful investor of all time and the third richest person on the planet, averaged 19.8% a year on his investments over his entire career. Expecting to make returns that are more than that of the most successful investor in the world is just plain stupid and foolish. But if, mo but if most people were honest with themselves, that is exactly how they think. We'll wrap up there. I'm at my mark. Hey, guys, if you don't have a copy of this book, you don't have to die broke. It's Again, it's always free. I hope you have it. Periodically, I pull it out and reread it. I reread my own book all the time. Um, uh, that's it, man. Talk to you soon.